Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon and welcome to Collaborative Connections Radio Show and podcast sponsored by KLM. We are live uh, via Zoom today uh, for the Collaborative Connections in Phoenix Business Radio X inside Max 6, typically in Arizona. But we have people from all over the country here today, so I cannot wait to introduce you to these three amazing guests. Before I do that, uh, for new listeners, this show is bringing people together to collaborate uh, in our community to hopefully uh, build relationships and foster uh, future collaborations and make this community better. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my first guest, Frank Stightly. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. I really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I own a CPA firm in the Washington, D.C. area, just a little bit south of Dulles Airport in Northern Virginia. We're a large local firm, and we have employees literally all over the country, and we serve clients literally all over the country. Well, that's exciting. (laughs) How big? We have 19 full-time employees, and then we add about a dozen part-time remote people all around the world, literally, uh, during tax season. You need all those people at that time of year. It's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Luckily, you just came out of that, right? Are you done? Yeah, we are done. We're still amazingly busy, but we are at least manageably busy. No weekends or anything like that at this point for anybody. Yay, yay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. We'll get back to you and, and chat some more. Uh, my next guest is Rochelle Poulton. Welcome to the show. Ellie, thanks for having me. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you. Well. I'm Rochelle Poulton, and I am an attorney at Poulton Law in Phoenix, Arizona. I maintain a micro practice helping business owners with their legal needs, and I am a full-time consultant at KLM Consulting. (laughs) So exciting. More to come on that. Thank you for being on the show. And our third guest is Mal Owen. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Hi, Frank and Rochelle. Good to be with you today. My background is I am currently the virtual chief operating officer for a company called 123 Junk based in Chantilly, Virginia. Actually, one of my former consulting clients. I've known the CEO for, gosh, eight to nine years now. And I joined that organization full time right smack in the middle of the pandemic in July 2020. I also do management and business consulting. Interestingly enough, I got started in the world of exercise physiology. I actually have my doctorate degree in exercise physiology and thought I was going to be an academician and researcher. And lo and behold, here I am now in management consulting and helping a junk removal company grow and expand. I uh, appreciate you all being on and wanted to jump right into some questions. So I hope you guys are ready. We'll do a little fire around here. <laughs> Frank, for you, tell us a little bit about the background or, as I say, the, the nooks and crannies of the CPA firm. Higher purpose means a lot to people these days, uh, your why, that sort of thing. So can you give us a little background on that? Our why, our higher purpose is to help people have better financial lives and brighter financial futures. There are a lot of ways we do that. I mean, the obvious way is we lower people's taxes, which is but a small part of the entire picture for most people. What we try to do for a higher purpose is look at people's financial priorities. We're in a great position to help business owners and other people do things like save for college, provide for retirement improve their businesses, even afford their first houses. We do a lot of things like that. And in doing that, we have a dedicated staff of people that we're always trying to grow into being better consultants, basically. And I'm certain Rochelle knows that being a consultant, that it's a journey to get better each and every day. That is for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And the business law side, you know, helping people, you know, primarily fix financial mess, right? And we both know that when a new business is new, trying to figure out how to make money but pay less taxes. But then when it comes to acquiring assets, you need a CPA to help you do that planning. And it sounds like that's really what you're doing is taking that uh, business owner 
to the goal line. And what we do is we work very closely with uh, with a number of law firms, depending on the specialty we need. And even sometimes it's as bad as having to work with family law <laughs> lawyers yeah. to split up assets. But it's very important. Uh, we take a team approach. That's yeah. awesome. As it is with everybody uh, that I have on the show, it seems to be the attraction, right? The team approach, <laughs> doing stuff together collaboratively definitely helps everybody's business. And then it's a win-win-win for, for all parties, right? If you can help them in all aspects, that makes a huge difference. I love that. Rochelle, what about you? Higher purpose or your why behind what you're doing? Yeah, so I have really enjoyed business ever since I started my law firm, my first law firm back, I think in 2011, 2012. And as a business owner myself, owning multiple practices, it was awesome. But you know, now the real emphasis is on helping other businesses achieve their goal. You know, it fills that need for, you know, running a business without having to run my own business. I love giving third parties advice and strategy for, you know, what they're doing. On a legal standpoint, you know, it's like, how do you set up an LLC? You know, just the basics of, you know, getting your dream started of being a self-employed entrepreneur. It is fun to build everybody else's business, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been an entrepreneur 20 years and I said, I think I'm going to stick to this one for a while. This business because I get to help everybody else build their business instead of keep recreating new ones for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, what about you? Uh, higher purpose or your why for what you're doing, what, you know, why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah, I guess, you know, really sort of my higher purpose probably throughout my career is just how do you create great places to work? It's really about how do you help elevate people? I always talk about creating a learning organization and how do you create an employer of choice? And that's sort of permeated all of my various consulting projects or businesses I've been involved with. Of course, now, certainly a higher purpose with our junk removal company is keeping stuff out of the landfill. So we, uh, our one, two, three junk model stands for donate, recycle, and dispose. So it's nice to have that sort of global impact on uh, how do we keep stuff out of the out of the landfill and repurpose things for people and do the recycling stuff. So that's a wonderful purpose. But from the core of being in management and leadership, it's all about how do you help people get better and how do you help business it spans a lot of stuff. Systems, technology, management strategies, culture, leadership. So I get a chance to play in all of that. I think the employer of choice thing is so timely right now with the employee shortage and the great resignation. You you I want to say you fell into a the hottest niche around in terms of management consulting, but you're certainly there. Well, it's a fun place to be in because there's nothing more exciting than to see people have smiles on their faces and them grow personally and see business owners get excited about the successes that they're having when they start to implement some of the things that have been researched now, fortunately, over the last more recent years, but things we probably all knew in our gut over the years. And just sometimes we needed a business uh, rationale to sort of finally have it take hold. I love that more and more that that big huge companies are trying to to find that purpose and to do something more than just sell a widget, right? I hadn't heard you talk about that before, Mal, about the one, two, three junk. I love the the purpose and the background of it. That is really, really good to hear. There's there's more and more companies doing that. And then I think it's going to be really critical that everybody get on board of, of looking at your higher purpose, looking at your why and, and what's the good that's going to come out of, of what you're doing for sure. That's, a, that's exciting. All right. So for, for most people, they don't know that Frank and Mal know each other very, very well. So we have to have the, the backstory, uh, uh of how this connection and collaboration all started. So Frank or, or Mal, do you want to want to say why uh, the inner circle story? <laughs> sure. Well, Frank, go ahead. You, you, uh... okay. Mal and I met the Loudoun Chamber of Commerce, and I, I'm not exactly certain what year it was. I mean, I'm thinking it was 10 years ago when we were both 25 years old or so. And Mal and I and a third friend, Greg, I think we mounted a hostile takeover of the small business committee for a time. 
And as a result of that, the three of us were very like-minded. We created a CEO roundtable group called Inner Circle that met a number of different places, but it was a number of business owners with the idea that we would help everyone improve each other through a roundtable approach. That's incredible. That is really cool. Mal, do you have a, you, you look like you want to add something. <laughs> Well, it was great. You know, first off, a lot of respect for my my uh, my two business partners, of course, Frank and and Greg have been now uh, longtime friends. But it was fun to figure out one, what were we going to do with the chamber to have more impact on small businesses, and how could we help elevate them? And then we realized, you know, as we network together, uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they kick out of Greg and Frank sometimes saying that they weren't very impressed with some of the consultants that they used to hang with. So uh, we we somehow formed some mutual respect in, in that process, realized that we could do more to help local business owners, one, fulfill their dreams. You know, one of the things that Greg was involved with is acting as a business broker, trying to help businesses, you know, people buy a business, sell their business. And so you can imagine in, in that process, Besides getting the financials to look good or you get the legal structures squared away, there's also like, do I really want to buy into what you're doing? Because maybe if that business doesn't have a good culture, good leadership, I'm not sure I want to take it on. So a lot of times it's how do you prep the business for sale, which might take several years to get where you need to be. Uh, and also advising business owners what to be on the lookout for. Like, you know, you still want to buy a business that has a toxic culture, maybe. <laughs> you don't want to take that on if you're not a, a, a consummate manager and leader in your own right. So it was uh, wonderful to sort of get started and then working with uh, Frank and Greg actually being sort of even part of the roundtable, got a chance to know their businesses even better, know them better, because uh, many times as a CEO, you have your own personal goals and aspirations, let alone what you want to have the business accomplished. So it was sort of interesting to deal with both the personal side of their journey as an entrepreneur, as well as what they wanted to accomplish with their business. So, And I should say, beyond just that, not that uh, I lobbied heavily, but it was an easy sell, is that uh, just very recently, uh, Frank uh, and his company had come on board to be our CPA and accounting and bookkeeping resource for 123 Junk. So what goes around comes around. (laughs) Frank hasn't, hasn't fired us yet. <laughs> so Frank hasn't fired us yet as a as a as a as a client. So I, I have to treat Mal well because he's now a client. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting the point that you brought up about buying into a toxic business or a business that hasn't really developed a work culture. I mean, especially in light of the great resignation that's been occurring it's become kind of critical for businesses and business owners to sort of take a step back and think about, you know, culture, social contracts, like what it is in their business that can generate a symbiotic relationship between management and staff. So I find that fascinating that you're, you know, well above the curve and been doing it for years. (laughs) I think one of the interesting parts that I got out of Inner Circle was just how much the people in the round table, almost everybody, including my own business, we were all in sort of an existential crisis to an extent, trying to find our why and and how do you move forward from where you are to where you want to be. And that's one of the things I think Mal's great at at doing is uh, I always say that my first impression is to run through the brick wall. And Mal, a lot of times, will say, hey, you could maybe step around the brick wall just this once. Great. I love that analogy. (laughs) Most of us, most of us business owners just (laughs) hurry up, just run through the brick wall. It's nice to have outside perspectives and like, well, we could take it down. We could rebuild it. We could go around. Add a door. (laughs) And and, and it saves you costs on body armor and hospital, right? (laughs) Yes. It's a very interesting thing. You know, uh, so much of this starts with, you know, as we, Kelly, as you and I know, uh, because of our involvement in conscious capitalism and conscious leadership, so much of this like self-reflection and you know thinking about who you are as a manager, as a leader. And I think we all get seduced into thinking that we're great communicators, you know, and uh, great managers and great leaders. And I think there's so many times there are studies out there that say, well, when you have asked your staff what they think of management and leadership versus what you think of your management skills and leadership skills. 
Uh, usually not you're under-evaluating your own skill set. It's usually people have a different sense of uh, how good you really are, how effective you are. And I think that's probably one of the toughest things for all of us is that management leadership is not just something you innately have. It's a skill you have to develop. And just because you have a mouth and two ears doesn't mean you're a good communicator. <laughs> so... Or, or you can be a born leader, but may not be, <laughs> may not be, uh, what do you call it, massaged into the, a good one. <laughs> yes. But, you know, Kelly, you, you've made a great point. I'll just throw this in here real quick. When I first got into the club management business after getting out of academia, I had my degree in exercise physiology. So I got into the health and fitness club world and executive wellness. I had a VP of HR who was on our advisory board and he, gave me this wonderful piece of wisdom at one point was now we have to take you from being unconsciously competent to consciously competent, which is you're doing a lot of stuff, but do you really know the things that are really effective? And how do you fine tune those things once you know what, where you're, you're getting the most value for your efforts? And, uh, and that was a really interesting thing. It's like, it's like in sports, right? You got to learn how to use the right muscles in the right sequence to have a, uh, a refined movement, not just flailing about, right? <laughs> right. Well, and you talk about that as the same in conscious capitalism. So Mal and I are in conscious capitalism, Arizona together, and they really, you know, people talk about the being unconscious, conscious capitalist, right? So that, that's what I was, is you, you know that you're doing the right thing. You, you know, you live up to these certain standards, you have good morals and ethics. And then somebody says, oh, you know, there's words behind, you know, there's definitions and words behind that. Uh, and so that was really cool to figure out, oh yeah, I am a conscious capitalist, you know, to be able to align with people who all want the same thing. We all want win, win, win. We all uh, live with our higher purpose. And, uh, and so I think that is, it was cool to have that enlightenment of, oh yeah, okay. Yes, I am doing the right things. I am, you know, I am living by these tenets that they call them in conscious capitalism. Oh, okay. And then now I have found my tribe, you know, of like-minded people that are that are the same. So I love that. I don't think it's possible to create a sustainably profitable business over a long period of time if you're using scorched earth business tactics. I think everybody has to benefit from customers to staff. I like to say I'm a bit of a lazy person, which is one of the reasons why uh, I've tried to learn to delegate. I've now has been trying to work with me. <laughs> you just have to trust that people are going to help you along the way. And I think that's a large part of developing staff to take care of clients. Mm, isn't that the truth, right? Being able to delegate. I always tell people, do what you're good at and outsource everything else, right? There's no reason. And that could be internally or externally. There's no reason to to do all the things that you hate doing as a business owner, <laughs> right, Frank? You might as well hire somebody to help you. And, you know, it always helps to surround yourself with professionals because you don't know what you need until you've forgotten to do it. <laughs> when you're in business, you know, like the first step is, you know, hire a bookkeeper, like get your books together, you know, don't commingle your assets. Like there's so many things you should do. And, you know, we just try to do a real quick, you know, with startups, like a real fun, Hey, this is the 10 things you need. <laughs> These are the things you need to know to start a business and to have success. And then of course, you know, a lot of people forget like contracts, you know, maybe you want to have an attorney review your contracts. Maybe you want to deal with, you know, terms and conditions, things like that. The nitty gritty, like as a business owner, that seems really intimidating sometimes to get all of your ducks in a row, but that's what lawyers are for. You know, it's like, no, here, here are your ducks all in a row. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, Rochelle, it seems to me when new businesses start up, the last thing they want to do is spend money getting the paperwork right. <laughs> there yeah, we go. Exactly. Get ducks. You got to get your ducks in a row. Of course, my uh, first name is Mal. Every time you say ducks in a row, I, I can relate to that, Rochelle. So what, what I find, what I counsel business owners to do when they're starting up is uh, you have to almost view a business, the business documentation for what happens if it doesn't go well. Because oh, yeah. statistically, it may not. And the partner that you agree with today may become your mortal enemy in two years. <laughs>
Yeah, that's, you know, business law. You know, if we can catch them on the front end, we avoid litigation. You know, it's like, know what you're among the owners, what the expectation is when it comes to getting paid. You know, if someone's investing a lot of money, but someone else is putting in sweat equity, maybe those aren't equal. <laughs> and it's easy to agree when the business isn't worth anything. But if the business yep. goes great in five years, then all of a sudden nobody remembers any of the conversations they had on day one. <laughs> Just write it down. I'll take a napkin. <laughs> Formalize it when, you, when you're ready. <laughs> I love that. Take a napkin. <laughs> Just write it down somewhere. Have these conversations. And, you know... When you're actually serious and you're working a business full time, you do need professionals. That's when you join a group like Conscious Capitalism to help you find those connections and those people that can help you grow your business and are actually interested in helping you grow your business. Like they do exist. This is a community of people who want to have everybody succeed and without fighting the sharks in the water. Just don't be a shark, be a dolphin. Be a dolphin. I love that. <laughs> you were going to say something, Mal? Yeah. Well, first off, Rochelle, I couldn't agree more. You know, know where your limitations are and find expertise and, and leverage that instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. Right? Sometimes we don't we don't realize when we need to reach out for help and 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 quality help. Uh, but you know, coming back to uh, Frank's point about the idea of delegation, you know. As leaders, sometimes you get focused on delegation. If for no other reason, you only have so much time in the day and you got to learn to offload some of that so you don't dig your own grave too soon, right? But the other piece of delegation, I think it comes back to this, the, the great resignation, great migration is that, I, you know, I, I'm now actually working in a very blue collar environment. You know, I've got young guys that, you know, to, to call them professional, they're, they're early stages in their professional or career journey. Uh, they need a lot of help and support and, and they want to grow and they want to learn. And so much of what we're seeing right now is people being given an opportunity to learn and grow and develop. And so delegation is one way to give people an opportunity to grow and develop. And while you're happy to offload that workload, <laughs> The other piece is if you're willing to spend a little bit of time and train that person, that may be the reason they're going to stick around because they're going to say, you know, Frank's such a great, great guy to work for because he keeps on giving me things to do. But I learn and I grow and I feel like I'm progressing in my career because I'm part of his organization and he spends the time with me. And I think that's we don't think enough about we hire human beings. They're not robots. They're not just taskmasters. They have goals and aspirations. And if we treat them appropriately, they'll stick with this longer. I always say there's somebody down the road that will always pay you pay your employees 50 cents more an hour. Guarantee you. Somebody's got a little bit deeper pockets. But what do you do to create that environment where they want to stick around? And many times it's how you treat them, how you help them grow, how you help them develop. And that not only keeps them around longer, most likely they're going to perform better. So what's the harm? I think that builds into the become an employer of choice, which is critically important for a small business because we can't compete with uh, large businesses when it comes to compensation and benefits. We have to be a place that has some kind of meaning to it besides you just showing up to an office and sitting there for eight hours a day. We do. Yeah. And I like your perspective, sorry, Rochelle, about uh, for those of us who think we need to do it all as a business owner, to think of it instead of, oh, geez, I need to offload this stuff, you know, so that I have enough time in the day. But thinking of it as, oh, I'm giving these professionals the ability to grow in their in their leadership, to grow as a professional. I like that, to describe it that way. So you can choose either one, right? You can either offload because you don't have enough time in the day, or you can offload to give others opportunity to learn the stuff that you already know how to do. I think that, you know, on Mal's part, that real critical component of successful growth comes from training. You know, a lot of employers will simply give someone something to do and expect them to kind of figure it out. And it's like, uh, it's got to kind of be the other way around. It takes 
a little bit more effort to write, you know, an SOP, but now it's done. And, you know, you're giving these people the opportunities to succeed at the tasks that you're giving them, as well as growing personally and professionally. And I know people hate writing SOPs, but it's like my jam. <laughs> I know. When she said she could help me with that for clients, I was like, yes, mm-hmm, you get to do that piece. <laughs> That's great. All right. So we talk about collaborating. We talk about outsourcing. We talk about hiring these people to help us, CPAs, attorneys, consultants like you, Mal, that that can help us. But people, I think, get scared that it's too expensive, right? They think, oh, man, I can't afford that. How, and I'll go around, Frank, I'll start with you. How do you describe um, why somebody should hire a CPA in in dollars or to make it make sense for them financially? Well, I think we bring something to the table and a perspective to the table, as does Rochelle, a slightly different perspective as to how we can make their lives better, make their businesses better, how we can help them grow. It may be true that if they're going to be a $100,000 revenue business and that's all they're ever going to be, it's quite possible that we aren't the right solution for them. And in that case, it's okay for us to part as friends and say, okay, we're maybe not the right solution for you guys now. But if they want to grow, they've got to have a team of advisors that, because at the top, It's difficult in that you don't necessarily, if you're a sole owner, have somebody you can bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm fortunate I have a couple of partners and I have Mal and I have some friends I can do that with. But a lot of small business owners are essentially alone. And if they don't have a team to advise them in a lot of areas where they're obviously not experts, uh, they're going to fail in a big hurry. That is for sure. Absolutely. It's important to have, and, and not just one advisor. I like how you said advisors right? There needs to be a CPA. There needs to be the business consultant. There has to be the attorney and all the different pieces, coaching, right? Coaches and consultants to help them grow. And like you said, the more people want to grow that you can help them do that is important for them to, to understand. So I like that. All right, Rochelle. So how expensive is it for a, a business law attorney? Well, it depends on what you need, right? Like that's the lawyerly answer. So, you know, for someone who's just starting out and like wanting to form their own LLC, they're not starting an S Corp, it's a sole member. You don't need a lawyer. You need advice from a lawyer. (laughs) Like you just need a free consult. Most law firms offer them like Poulton Law. And it's just a quick 20 minute conversation. What are you trying to do? What do you need? How can we help you get started? But, you know, if you're acquiring land and a building and you're going to be dealing with zoning codes, well, that's going to be expensive. Like that's, you know, you're, it's, it just depends. Like where you are in your business is really going to dictate the level of service that you need. Whereas an attorney who's also providing business consulting in addition to business law, you're really looking at a strategy for how to make revenue and how to like optimize your practice or whatever it is that you're doing. So it's a little bit different depending on the type of lawyer that you're seeking. Um, I just happen to do both. (laughs) Which is a good combo for me. (laughs) All right, Mal, what about you? I know your current role is the chief operating officer at 123 Junk. They, They brought you on as that. Tell us why a company would bring on an outsider consultant to fill that sort of role and or is it would it be better depending on the business and and where they're at to just hire outside and stick to the outside consultants right when do when when should somebody bring in a chief marketing officer or a chief operating officer as opposed to hiring KLM to do just the consulting piece of it I love this question yeah well and um so I'll start with that because I want to come back to the, the, the cost piece as well. Um, I have a very direct and, and personal example of that with 123 Junk, where I met uh, the CEO, Colin Wheeler, you know, as I said, probably you know, 10, maybe 10 years ago, because I, I keep on saying eight, but that was when I first started with him. So, but probably 10 years ago, and that's when I was heading up our uh, management consulting practice for a 
a boutique, you know, equivalent to like an ADP providing health insurance and commercial insurance, employee benefits, HR, outsourced HR services or supporting HR services. And I did several multi-month consulting projects with him over the years that I hope had a difference, had an impact. We certainly got to know each other better. I got to know the company better, but he finally said, got to the point of saying, now I'm stuck. You know, I really want to grow the company. And I, not that he hit his capabilities limit, but I think he realized he needed help. And so that's when he said, Mal, are you willing to, maybe this might be your last LinkedIn entry. I said, do you really want to, all the things you've done in your life, you want to have your last LinkedIn entry being that you work for a junk removal company. And I said, look, it's not about the type of business. It's about having the impact in the business and and what I can do. And I'm having an amazing time because we are so aligned in our values and our principles and what we want to accomplish that I, I mean, I've told people I'm having the most fun I've ever had in the work in, in, at work because feeling empowered to work on the things that I want to work on. So because there, for me personally, there was a difference between lobbing ideas over the fence and hoping somebody would, would take them and run with them versus to being inside and actually saying, I can run with this project and make sure we implement. So that's me personally as the, as the consultant slash employee, as the employer, it's always a function of if you have somebody internal, they get to know your culture, they get to understand what the issues are. You have uh, the benefit of someone who's with you full time working through that. The challenge is it's always the, the cost differential. Are you big enough and have enough issues that you can keep a full time attorney on, you know, on board because of all the legal stuff you're doing? Well, Large companies can afford to do that. Small companies can't, but they want the expertise of somebody like Rochelle because they can't play part-time lawyers. They, they don't have, they don't have to, you know, they can grab a book, you know, on the shelf, but probably that's not the wisest thing to do. It's just- Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Right? And, and that's that's the other thing that I wanted to uh, uh, just point out, you know, when it comes to like the expense of things and having consultants. When I started my company, eBright, back in 2000, uh, and that was an online learning consultancy, and that was about helping HR professionals and training development professionals get into the world of doing what we're doing right now, like a virtual session, having virtual classrooms and online learning. Oh, my gosh, you would have thought that was going to be the, the death knell of their careers, and they just had no patience for me coming around with my laptop showing them how they could get into a meeting like this and what the cool stuff they could do. And my example that I would give to them is I said, you know what, why do we need colleges and universities? We don't need colleges and universities. I got all the books right behind me about what I need to learn, right? But why do you have colleges and universities or, or, or courses or whatever? It's because sometimes the person who's in the know has to make it relevant to you. They have to help you understand it. They have to help you work through it. And so you can read all the books in the world. Doesn't doesn't mean that you're going to go out and practice that. It's like, how do you build a habit? How many of us have, you know, again, in the, in the world of health and fitness, all I have to do is have a conversation once with Rochelle about, hey, you exercise more and you eat less, you lose weight. Why isn't everybody slim and trim and there's no obesity in this world, right? Other than maybe for specific medical conditions. I mean, doing the right thing and doing it well takes guidance, takes often consultation and building those habits because Frank has seen this. I'm sure, Rochelle, you've seen this. Uh, Kelly, I'm sure you've seen it. You go into a meeting with a CEO and they say, this is what we believe in and all this stuff. And they literally, by 30 seconds, they get out of that meeting and they're doing something 180 degrees opposite to what they just said they believe. We've all seen it and they just don't realize it. They don't know. So part of the value proposition for an outside consultant is, and I've always loved this saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If you know you need help and you know you're going to benefit from the outside resources, you're not going to sit there and say, gee, will you give me like $2 more off on your hourly rate? Because you ultimately see the long-term benefit of having someone on your team that's going to help you move forward. Yeah, I think it's important to have the outside consultants until you're big enough to then bring on the full-time in-house And then when you're ready to grow again, then you hire outside consultants to help you grow. And then you add another person to your team, right? So it's a back and forth uh, for Frank, I'm sure. Like 
you have companies like you said, they come to you, they're starting at a hundred thousand. They're just stagnant. Okay. Well, you just need a bookkeeper. If you want to grow, we actually need a CPA firm and we actually need to guide you in the right direction. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's a back and forth of, and then pretty soon they need a in-person uh, somebody to handle all the books. Right. And then they also need an outside CPA firm as well. We have division that becomes someone's accounting department when they reach a, a level where they need that. And a lot of times they'll then hire on a CFO and the CFO will continue to use our outsourced accounting services because it's a cost-effective way to generate the information they need. And with the great resignation, they don't have to try to staff an accounting department. They can offload that onto us. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really important, I think. And I think more and more people are moving to that. I think more and more companies are moving to that. Having the person in-house who can work with the outside counsel, who can work with the outside firms to, to get the help they need uh, to build. I think that's the benefit of collaboration. <laughs> yeah. uh, so next question, tips, tools, tricks. Frank, as a business owner, a lot of uh, our listeners are entrepreneurs and business owners. Any tips and tricks that you can offer uh, others who are struggling or overwhelmed uh, in business ownership that you've learned along the way? One of the big things I've learned in the CPA business is I love to go to con- uh, conferences and sit at roundtables with other firms. And a lot of times I'll sit at a roundtable of firms that are a size above us because that's where we're headed. I want to see what they're doing and what their suggestions are so that, again, I don't have to run through every brick wall. Maybe I can use someone else's experience. I love that. Yep. Look, get the advice from others in your industry, but one step ahead of you or one step above you. That is really good advice. All right, Rochelle, you're up. Tips, tricks as a business owner for business owners. Yeah, I think, you know, the first tip is to remember that just because you feel like you're the only person that can do it all, you are not. (laughs) Like, stop trying to do everything. It's totally fine to ask for help. And it's really important to surround yourself with other people in your shoes. So that's a good opportunity to start networking, start meeting other business owners, because you guys will inevitably naturally start just talking about your businesses. And that's where you learn the most about how to run your business and how to optimize. And then you can start, you know, talking to all of us pros. <laughs> that's right. That's that's a good thing. That's why that's why we serve as a business owner's duplicate. You know, people say, I need to duplicate myself. I don't know why I can't do this all by myself. I mean that's that's the reason I, I started the business because People need other people that can think like them as a business owner, right? And do all the things that I said, I wish I wished I had all these people that, you know, could do all these things and when they needed it. And so I was like, oh, good. That's my next business. I'll just do that for everybody else. <laughs> good advice. Mal, what about you? Somebody, um, you know, you've been a business owner and you've consulted a lot of business owners and, and it sounds like. You do some of that uh, with Frank. Um, Tell us a little bit about maybe some tips that you would give business owners who are trying to be conscious, who are trying to um, be emotionally, you know, follow the emotional intelligence piece that you you talk about. Well, you know, my first reaction when I heard your question was that many times business owners don't spend enough time working on the business so too busy working in the business. The Eisenhower matrix, for those of you that may be familiar with it, I'm not trying to be too academic here, but you know, things, the quadrants of things that are most important versus things that are most urgent and the time, the place where you want to spend the most time if you're an effective manager and leader is the things that are most important and not urgent, because that means you're in the planning phase, right? Think you don't have to, everything isn't like you're putting out fires each and every day, you know? And I think we don't we don't tend to find time to do that. And by the way, working on the business is not just about the SOPs, which need to be done, but it's like looking in the mirror. You're part of the business. You know, uh, how are you performing? What are you doing? I've always talked about the idea of how do we get 1% better each and every day? 
you know, all those books behind me. I, I used to joke with people with all the degrees I have and all the books I read. If I could just remember 2% of the, of the stuff that I've read, you know, I, you couldn't hang with me, guys. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I, I would be uh, I would be pontificating and everybody would be paying huge sums of money to track me down. Right. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, I don't. But that's, you know, how do you get in those habits? How do you work on those things? And as leaders, we have to do that first and foremost for ourselves. Uh, and then we have to help our organizations do that as well. So uh, as an example, and I'm going to call Frank out here only because he hasn't brought it up yet. One of the things that he did, he and I are both very systems minded guys and we, we sort of geek out. We like, you know, because if you if you get good systems down, good SOPs, technologies, whatever, you have more time to do this stuff, like interact with your customers and find out what's going on and help them, you know, be successful, right? So if we can be efficient with our time, it's a good thing. Well, Frank, seeing the world of technology and knowing how he has to interact with his both his team and his customers develop this uh, is it Clarity Management Software Suite for other CPA firms that he is actually selling now? So the entrepreneur that he is, he said, not only do I need it for my business, but I know other CPA firms need a product like that to better respond to clients' needs and then manage things internally. So how do you find those things? How do you think about that stuff? That's that's being really clever at, on many levels. And it's All helpful right. to get outside perspective on that. Like um, when I had my... I used to do consumer rights law. So I had like bankruptcy, debt settlement and credit repair type clients who needed restoration and litigation. Well, that's a lot of work. You're dealing with thousands of creditors and thousands and thousands of trade lines. And so I developed a software to, you know, reduce staff need. So that way they weren't spending all day manually entering data. And, you know, it was, you know, probably the cost of one FTE, but it reduced staff by, you know, 80%. Like, just making those small tweaks and thinking outside the box and having an opportunity and the time to be able to implement those great ideas is why you need to surround yourself with professionals. I think getting back to the higher purpose, we created clarity practice management because we knew we needed a better way to collaborate with staff and clients around the country and the world. So we naturally thought that other CPA firms and accounting firms were going to need the same sort of thing in the 21st century. So that's why we headed in that direction. That's exciting. Tell us what it is. It is a practice management suite for accountants that enables project management internally at the firm, as well as it allows the firm and all the staff members to collaborate with each other, as well as with clients across time zones, geography, time. It's an effective way of communicating I think everybody knows in the world today, nobody wants to answer their cell phone anymore. So you have to find some ways to communicate in a safe environment behind a firewall. And that's what we created with Clarity. That's awesome. That sounds incredible. It's so incredible to hear, you know, I think that to your point, Mal, if business owners get stuck in working in the business all the time, there is no opportunities to think of these things that, Frank and Rochelle created for a need. You're fulfilling your need, but you're also helping other firms fulfill their need. What a cool thing. And if you didn't have time to do that because you're so in your business all the time, the world wouldn't get better, right? Uh, the, More efficient. The fun stuff is working on the business for me. You know, after the first 10,000 tax returns, the thrill is sort of gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think after the first tax return, my thrill would be gone. <laughs> Taxes seem such a boring thing, but we have to ask anyways. From a business owner's perspective, Frank, is there any tax tip you want to leave uh, the audience with from a business owner's perspective? One of the biggest tax tips is don't spend too much time obsessing about taxes. I tell people, spend 80% of your time growing a healthy business, spend 20% of your time on taxes, and let us handle that for you. Good advice. Good advice. Good, I love that. Rochelle, any law? Law can be, you know, another one that's all boring or but everybody needs to know any law tips you can uh, think of you want to throw out there yes it's about you know business cards and business checking accounts like 
you know, I see so many times where a business start forms and they start to make real money, but they're all operating under their own name. Like they don't use their personal debit card. They're commingling those funds. And I know it may be inconvenient, but it pays in spades to like keep your business expenses out of your business account and pay yourself from your business. I'm sure Frank can help with that solution, but like it's really important to not commingle early on, especially when things go bad. When you start a business and if it doesn't work out, you don't want to be personally on the hook for all those debts. You know, that's why you should have formed an LLC and done all of those steps to protect yourself. So no commingling, have an LLC. That's those are my tips. That is really, really important steps that you that we think are, um, or I think that's just a normal part of the process, right? I, any business I've created, I create an LLC, I hire a bookkeeper, I you know open a bank account, but those things some people don't think of because they get into business ownership at maybe by accident or it's going to do a little bit of help for this one person. But it makes so much more sense to do the prevention and to do the steps ahead of time, like creating the LLC, like hiring a bookkeeper, and um, and get the finances in order first makes a huge difference. It really does. Okay, Mal, systems seem so boring, especially to me. <laughs> That's why I have Rochelle, right? <laughs> Tell us uh, any tips you can give on systems for people. Oh gosh, I'm sort of very interesting when it comes to systems. It's like I always worry that when you talk about systems, it's like there is a a silver bullet out there, some magical thing that like if you put in this system, everything's going to be great. Whether it's a management philosophy or a model, uh, I, you know, I, I always look at it and say, nah, <laughs> there there is no single solution. You just have to have a lot of things in your 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 toolbox and know when that what tool to bring out for a given situation. I think that's, again, that's back to having professional, you know, advice, right? Is, you know, anybody can pull out one book and whoever the latest strategy is or whatever the technology is saying, oh, that's the be all end all. And I'm going, every time I look at that, I always figure it out. I immediately go the other direction. Like there is no one thing. Coming back to your tip, tip suggestion. So I'm sorry, I don't have a great system to tell you. <laughs> uh, the systems are maybe it's a mindset. And I think a, a mindset uh, really needs to be, you've heard me say this, Kelly. So I'm, since you're recording this, I'm going to make sure that I at least get maybe first billing if we can trademark it, is the saying in conscious capitalism is elevating humanity through business. You know, wonderful purpose and mission and so forth for conscious capitalism. And I've always sort of looked at it and said, let me flip that around. Elevating business through humanity. <laughs> is that we don't necessarily look at our employees as our customers. We don't, we don't realize we're building relationships with them. It's like a marriage, you know, that we're, when we're hiring, we're like dating, you know, and when we're, when we get together, we want to learn and grow together and hopefully we don't get a divorce at any point in time and, until our needs aren't being met. So, you know, how do you start looking at your, your people and realizing that if you really want to have a successful business, you have to have a successful relationship with them. So maybe if you want to call the system, there are two books that I absolutely, I haven't ever mandated this yet, but I've always said that if there are two books I would ever tell people you absolutely must read if you're an employee of mine is Crucial Conversations and Emotional Intelligence 2.0. You I know? knew you were going to bring up the emotional intelligence. I love that. <laughs> I, I mean, we don't, we don't think about, you know, our employees, like what are they going through? What do they need? And it's back to, and again, we've all been through this where the company goes out and says, oh, we're going to do this employee survey. And they do the employee survey and it gets tucked in the corner and they go, why did I give any feedback if no one's really going to pay attention? Because nothing's ever done. So the worst, one tip I would say is don't do an employee survey unless you're ready to take action. Worst thing you can do, better put your head in the sand and be better off doing the survey and then disappoint all your employees because I said, well, why did you ask if you're not going to do anything? So. I think, fortunately, the one good thing now, and I, a book I even recommend to Frank and his team, it's a book that just came out from Gallup called It's the Manager. It's like a combination of the StrengthsFinder book and current practices in good management techniques and leadership is that how do you start to get people thinking about what does it mean to really deal with your employees as customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll start with maybe the la- one last thing. 
when I used to do performance management training, I said, I don't think any employee walks into business every day and I would stand up when, when I'd be in a group and I was doing this facilitation, I'd stand up and say, I can't wait to screw up today. <laughs> it's like most employees don't come in thinking they want to be the last person picked on the team or the worst person in the organization. They want to do their best. So if they want to do their best, then what are you doing as the employer to help them get there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a lesson that that I didn't learn until my uh, let's see third fourth business, <laughs> but I, I've learned now, and especially with the conscious capitalism uh, tenant of your stakeholders. So everybody's a stakeholder in your business, right? Who are you defining your stakeholders? And one of your stakeholders is your employees. And they should be treated exactly as you would treat your clients, um, you know, because because they matter uh, and and listening to them and listening to the feedback and, and hearing all of that is really, really critically important. So I love that is paying attention to them for sure. I think it's also incredibly satisfying to watch people come in and what they develop into the person they develop into the capabilities. I literally every business partner I have in the CPA firm came in. Uh, I doubt with any idea that they were going to be partners initially, uh, and, and to just watch them grow over a period of five, six, seven a decade is just—it's it's incredibly gratifying. Oh, I bet I love that. Yeah, to like you said to continue to grow the business and outsource and fulfill their needs of becoming leaders. That's great. Can you believe we've been talking for almost an hour already? Yeah. <laughs> it goes by so fast. Before we leave, uh, I'll have everybody tell the audience where they can find you for more uh, CPA advice, law advice, business consulting, <laughs> emotional intelligence, all the things. Frank, I'll start with you. The easy way to find Stitley and Carstetter CPAs is on the World Wide Web, www.skcpas.com. You can contact us from there, and I guarantee you we'll respond in 24 hours. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a, good, uh, a good plug for you. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Rochelle, what about you? Yeah, we are also online at pnlaw.pro. Uh, or you can just Google Polton Law or Google me, Rochelle Polton, and uh, you'll find me. Thank you. Mal, what about you? Well, uh, certainly you can hit the, the www.123junk.com. Of course, that's my my Virginia uh, organization I'm with, with now. Uh, I would also say uh, those of you that are out there that are listening uh, and you want to mention that you heard about me on the podcast today, reach out to me through LinkedIn. I'll give you a chance to see a little bit of my background as well. And that's a good good place to reach me as well. We can connect on LinkedIn and go from there. And Mallard Owen, and uh, I think you have Mal too. Does it come up both ways? <laughs> I, I, I think it does because always people wonder about, you know, what's my nickname or whatever. And of course, uh, Mal in French is bad. So I hope I'm not a bad resource for you. So <laughs> not at all. I love all your advice. Thank you all for being on Collaborative Connections Radio Show and Podcast, sponsored by KLM. Do what you love and outsource the rest. Happy connecting. Mm-hmm.